Hey guys, welcome back to the Move, Eat, Re-Energize podcast show where we sit down and have conversations with interesting and inspiring legends about movement, mindset, nutrition and bringing more energy into your day. Today I'm catching up with Vaughan Saunders from Sports and Spinal and Vaughan is an osteo in the Albury-Rodonga area and it's all about helping people live their lives optimally, whether it's at home, in the office or on the sports field. So in today's episode, we talk about back and neck pain, the two most common issues he sees, and we also discuss the three to four step guide to help you get the best out of seeing not only an osteo, but any health practitioner you go to. So as always, that's enough from me. Let's get into the chat with Vaughan. All right, so I'm here with Vaughan Saunders from Sports and Spinal in Aubrey, and today we're going to talk about back pain and neck pain. But first, Vaughan, do you want to share a little bit about you and how you become an osteo and all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah, not a problem, Chris. Um, look, I, I probably, a lot of people who get into health, osteo and physio and stuff like that sort of had this injury that no one could fix and then go to see some certain therapist and then fall in love with that sort of therapy. I was probably a bit different. Um, growing up, I just loved sport and wanted to be a lead athlete. Unfortunately, at, at five foot nothing, I think I, I was never going to quite achieve that. Um, <laughs> And so I suppose you get to the end of the year 12 and try to work out what you want to do. And I thought, well, what better way to, than to, to help um, help these sporting athletes, you know, with the grandeur, with the idea of travelling around the world and working with all these elite sport teams and all this sort of stuff. And didn't quite get the marks to get into Physio La Trobe and Melbourne Uni, which at that stage was about 96, 97 on the, I think they're ATARs now, but ENTERS back in my day. Um, my father suggested osteopathy. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll go and try it. And if I don't like it after a year, just try and transfer across. Got down there. Uh, I still remember the first week of my life was probably one of the um, scariest. We had some of the really big wigs in, in osteo um, in their lecturiness and they certainly scared the hell out of us. Um, but at the end of the first week, at the end of the first week after I'd finished, I was like, wow, this just, you know, it just all clicked. It just all made sense. Like, How good is this? Um, so yeah, just progressed from there. Just loved it. Um, eventually got out and realized that it wasn't just the elite sports people I like. In fact, um, they are fantastic to work with, but just, just everyone and the ability to, to help someone, um, you know, go from being in extreme amounts of pain, I suppose, to, you know, within a few weeks of treatment and education and stuff like that, to be able to do stuff that they didn't think they could have done when they first come in uh, probably makes it, I reckon, the best job in the world. I love it. Um, I worked for probably seven years as an associate at a different osteo practice in town and then at three, well, nearly four years ago now, started up uh, Sports and Spinal Aubrey with the, with the um, main purpose just to, just to work on you know, helping people get out of pain and, and to try and big focus on trying to educate them as to you know, how they can help themselves um, and then, you know, hopefully prevent further recurrences as well. I can't believe it's been four years or three or four years. Yeah, it's happened quickly. That's <laughs> every time I say that it doesn't sound right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been great. Nah, that's awesome. And pretty much my whole family and extended family all come and see you. <laughs> like there's cat's sister cat comes cat's other sister i think has come once or twice and i've started coming to see you as well so born is awesome so if you're even over Redonga, definitely go see him but all right let's get into the back pain stuff because i know as being a pt a 
big thing that comes up for me is a lot of things that can't be done because they've got back issues and I'm sure you get heaps of them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, I think I said to you before, people, um, people are scared when they injure their back and I think there's a lot of um, – actually just did a course on the weekend on uh, McKenzie method for lower back pain and they were saying in this day and age everyone is so educated uh, because – there is Google um, being one of the big things. So they're all educated. They read all this stuff that they can't do and um, they're often scared, almost scared to move in, in, some, um, in some sense of the word. And someone might have told them, you know, not to do this or, or to, you know, completely avoid that. We probably try and work towards the other way and tell you about all the things you can do and tell you how it actually is safe to, to do certain movements and, and how one of the most important keys to rehab is to actually move. Um, so people, you know, the old old school years ago, you'd just go home and did, uh, you'd just be prescribed bed rest and medications. And, and to be honest, I still actually get a few of those people um, come into the clinic uh, who have been, you know, three or four weeks laid up and, and um, you know, haven't really moved. But I think they come in, sometimes patients come in and um, they're worried that we're going to tell them, all right, you can't go to your gym anymore. Um, or you can't go and go for that run on the weekend or you can't do this or you can't do that. Um, that's not always the case. Look, sometimes sometimes it is. Sometimes we just generally what we try and do is just modify what you're doing so you can still do what you enjoy. Um, but, um, yeah, just in a modified version, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's the big key is like as soon as it gets into the head that they get told they can't do anything, that's all you can focus on, like anything. Yep. As soon as it's like a, you can't do this, that's the only thing you think about instead of like, hey, you guys just you guys do it. Where you're like these are all the things you can still do, and if you go do them, it could help affect the pain in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose the biggest one we always have, particularly seeing um, people in back pain, is is the old deadlift. And to be yeah. honest, I probably used to be uh, uh, a bit wary of it with back pain, but uh, now through going to Chris and the other guys at Lone Dog and probably doing a bit more of my own research, realise that how beneficial a deadlift can actually be for a lot of people with back pain as long as it's done you know, correctly or, or done in a modified way if needed. Um, it's kind of like, it's like you follow Stu McGrew as well and I was reading his book, um, Back Mechanic, and in the, I think he, I can't phrase it exactly the same way he did, but he talked about how for a long time people were told like to stay away from deadlifting altogether if you have back pain and he's like no like take the pain away figure out the, the trigger for the pain then start correcting the issue and trying to get it better and then learn how to deadlift whatever it is you want to deadlift because you're going to do it every day anyway so you yeah. can't really yeah. get away from it no you always you always have to you always have to move i suppose um and that, that's one of the things I suppose we pride ourselves on definitely is, is the education aspect, trying to help people understand because they come in that fearful that, you know, any sudden movement, you know, they, they go down to put their shoe on or something like that, which is essentially a, a very similar movement, I suppose, in a way or something like that, that all of a sudden their back's going to be gone and they're in for surgery next week. Um, so I think uh, education is is massive with those sort of people and just trying to tell them, look, it's okay to move. Um, you know, you just have to be careful about the ways you're doing it um, and try and teach them ways to, to do things. Um, but certainly should never, you know, stop anyone moving at all. Movement's, movement's the best tool for healing. 
All right. So with to say we're using an imaginary person that's got back pain, how would you tell them to, I don't know, pre-screen themselves or pre-assess like assess themselves before coming to see you? Like, there's, What's some things they can do themselves to either figure out how or what's causing the pain and how to mitigate it and then things they could do to maybe alleviate it in their own, in their own control? Yeah, so that is a really good question and that can be really dependent on, um, it's yeah. a double-edged sword, dependent on what's actually caused their back pain. Um, I suppose, look, we get a lot of people who think back pain is normal. Um, back pain is not normal, it's common. Um, so stats have shown that 80 to 90% of us at some stage in our life will uh, experience back pain. I think it's something like 30 to 50% uh, at the moment, like currently, have back pain. Um, so, yeah, people get a bit scared about that. Um, what they can do, I suppose, just just make sure they modify any behaviours that have actually caused the aggravation. Um, there's certainly enough tools out there to, to, again, on Google, as long as you're careful and as long as you do your research, there's some stretches that you can do. Um, there are some really gentle exercises and stuff like that, but it's really hard because everyone's such a specific case. And that's probably, yeah. again, things that we do um, quite a lot at work is, is no one, you don't just get a back pain patient, you do A, B and C. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole heap of variety of things. You've got to look at the way they move and function and all those sort of things. So um, I would probably suggest that the, that the best thing to do is to probably go and get some advice from someone. Um, niggles, niggles are often an early warning sign. So you get those niggles. And I've, I've been I'm reasonably well educated in this and I still do it sometimes. But you get that niggle and you're like, oh, look, it'll go away. It'll go away. And then over a bit of time, it sort of builds up and you're like, yeah, it'll go away. And you try some stretches and try some movements and then all of a sudden, yeah, again, the classic one we see is one that like walks in and goes to you know pick up a bit of paper on the floor, and all of a sudden he can't move. So um, it's probably important to get assessed by someone who has a has reasonable knowledge, and they can give you some exercises. Then once you've got those exercises, you know, and hopefully you, you clear up your back pain clears up. Um, then at least you've got some tools where if it does happen again, um, you can then go back to those tools and, and try those things that we've already given you. Then, if it's not working, or if it's just too, you know, too painful, then you can come back and see someone like myself. Yeah. So, step one: as soon as you get the niggle, pretty much when you get the niggle is a good way, good time to go see someone because, like, yeah. it could turn from going to see someone and being in there just once versus if you leave it and leave it, you could go and end up showing up maybe. Yeah, definitely. Five. Yeah, the quick, the quickie, quickie going. Yeah, absolutely. The, the quicker you go and see someone, the better. In saying that, I don't want everyone, like they wake up in the morning and all of a sudden they've got a niggle that, oh, hit the panic buttons and get straight in to see someone. Um, generally, like if it hasn't gone within a couple of days, that's probably when I tell people, look, it's probably worth just going and seeing someone, getting assessed, getting some, you know, getting some help. Um, if you've already been to someone, again, trying to exercise for a few days, see if that helps. Uh, obviously, depending on the severity of it. So, we don't want people out there all, all panicking as soon as they get niggles. But um, just be wary that that can be a warning sign. Um, pain is a really interesting thing and it's been really well researched. Neuroscience, whilst I hated it at uni, I now love, um, love it. It's a really interesting, fascinating thing. Um, but the thing that we always get asked, you know, we talk to someone who 
let's say they're an office worker and they spend, you know, say an accountant and, you know, maybe coming up to preparing everyone's um, end of year financials and they're doing, some of those guys will do 60, 70, 80 hours a week sitting in front of the computer and they'll get a bit sore and they won't think much of it and then, you know, five weeks later after the end of it, it's all done and all of a sudden they'll um, bend down to pick something up and, like I said, you know, all of a sudden this excruciating back pain. The problem is the injury probably occurred five weeks ago and it's just been building up slowly and your, your, ba- your brain... Um, your brain and the injuries, your brain um, is basically, if anyone ever tells you pain is in your brain, uh, tell them that's exactly where it is. So pain is basically an output of your brain. You get injured, the injury sends signals back to your brain. It decides if it's important enough to actually send a pain signal out. Um, so I always say it's almost like one day your brain goes, oh, holy hell, geez, there's a lot of signals coming back here. I better put that person in excruciating pain mm. just so they realize it's safe to move um pain is basically yeah yeah your safety mechanism and it's kind of like what with the like the analogy you used of the sitting at the desk for like and it comes up five weeks later it's like it happened at the time because there's so many other things going on that the body is which is smart it makes you keep going to do this thing that you're doing and then when things start winding down it's like the whole when teachers go on holidays, they get there, they get sick every time. Yeah. Because the body's like yeah. keeping you going, keeping you going. As soon as it realizes you're starting to wind down, it's like, okay, now it's time to fix this. And it sort of throws it all at you in one hit. Yeah. It's pain is pain is basically the, the alarm clock of the body telling you, all right, you know, something's not right here. Don't keep doing it because it's dangerous. Whether or not it's dangerous, that's the other interesting thing. You know, you get you get let's go back to you get back pain with your deadlift. Um, and your brain, every time you go to do a deadlift, your brain's telling you, oh, you know, you're getting a lot of pain in there. You, you might not actually have a problem with that. That might just be your brain saying that, oh, geez, I don't know if I'm overly happy with this. You still might be able to deadlift in a, in a modified version. That's why we don't sort of stop people from, from doing things. Um, you just try and, um, try and modify things because the actual action of the deadlift might be okay. Maybe the depth is no good or the, the weight's too much or... You know, maybe we do have to modify the modify the um, exercise for a while. Yeah, it's kind of like that movement bubble that we talk about at Lone Dog a lot, where move inside the range that you have, and that feels good. And when you move outside that range, that's where you start feeling getting issues, niggles pop up, and things like that, and where injury can occur. So when you go into a good gym and go into an osteo and stuff like that can help you figure out that movement bubble for you. So it makes it easier to you, for you to figure out how much training to do, how much load and how to stay inside your bubble so you don't get injured and shrink it. Because what you, if you stay inside your bubble, it gradually will get bigger and you'll start being able to move more and do big, more like more intense things. And then but injuries just seems to make your bubble super small and your range of motion just gets smaller and smaller if you don't do anything about it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You become restricted and stiff, and yeah, then then pain comes in, and then all of a sudden you don't really know where to go. Yeah. All right. So this would be a good part to go on to next. So they've come, seen you. They've got some exercises. How like this is probably a really big one. Even for PTs, it's a big one. Getting them to do stuff or doing the stuff when you're not in the room with the person. So like going in and seeing you is like you get the massage release technique whatever it is and you get the exercise to help fix it like we you and i both know how important it is to do that stuff outside of that session like the stuff you do at home 
Yep. But it seems to be the biggest gap is that that never actually happens. Which is yeah, because sometimes I do it as well. But I know when I do do it, it fixes it way faster than anything else. What seems to work best for you to try and get people to do stuff outside of the session? Well, that is a is a really good question, and I think most of my clients would know. I tend to I tend to suggest that people who come to osteopaths are probably are often the lazier people because we do a lot of hands on stuff actually in um, in clinic, so we don't tend to do a lot of the exercise stuff. Um, whilst we're in there so we feel like we're we're helping a lot more I suppose in session um, and then hoping that you'll go and do this stuff outside of it um, one of the things we always do one of the things I was always always taught was we try not to give you too much advice so we give you enough key advice um, generally if we give you some exercise we try and give you three exercises you know occasionally four depending on what's going on but three sort of key exercises that we want you to take home and, and work on so three you know it, it's it's not too hard to do three some people still struggle to do it yeah um oft, often we'll try and get them to you know build it into their routine so um you know they do it as soon as they get up in the morning or you know before they go to bed or whilst they're sitting there watching tv or something like that because let's be honest most of us will sit there for maybe half an hour during the day, um, at least at some stage, to watch TV. So if you can get them to add it into a routine, um, that's probably one of the biggest things and, and not trying to give them too much, I suppose. We don't want to daunt you with, oh, geez, I've got 45 minutes worth of exercise to do today. It's going to you know, really clogs up your day and almost panics. And I suppose the other thing we tell people to do, you know, if you miss a day, it's not the end of the world. The, the more, you, more you do it, the more regularly you do it, probably the, the quicker you're going to recover. Um, but if you miss a day, well, that's that's just it. You start again the next day and try and get back into those exercises. Yeah, and it's kind of what I tend to do with people when they do go see an osseo and they get the, the exercises for it. What I sort of I do like a burst protocol for them and they go, I've got to do this three sets of 10 or three different exercises. I'm like, cool. So in the morning, you got a minute to get one of the exercises in. And then yep. say, two hours later, do another minute, and two hours later, do another minute, which sort of seems to reset the body throughout the day. So it allows them to get, I, th- I think, I don't need to prove that they get faster, better results because it doesn't feel like a massive chore. So they'll definitely show up and keep doing it, which is an important key. But spreading yeah. it out through the day seems to keep the body in like, alignment, in inverted commas, throughout yep. the day versus doing it all in the morning and then by halfway through the day, the body reverts back to what's been going on anyway to cause the issue? Yeah, definitely if you can if you can do little bits throughout the day, it seems to be better. I'm not sure of the exact research on that, but it just seems to be better. You know, if, if we do a whole heap of stuff to get your back moving and then you go and sit down for eight hours, well, you're probably going to be stiff at the end of the day. Um, one of the things we, again, learned, well, they emphasised quite a lot on the weekend was just doing a lot Um doing lots of little bits throughout the day tends to be more effective than doing it at the start of the day. But if you're someone who goes to work and works, you know, whatever, 10 hours and then you go to the gym and all this stuff and you just can't fit it in, doing it once a day whenever, if it's morning, is better than not doing it at all. So um, I suppose that's what we try and say. We We don't want someone who says, I just got no time to fit this in. We don't want them, you know, just not doing their exercise because we said to do it you know, little bits every time. But, um, yeah, just try and, I mean, yeah, definitely the best way is to do it, but the best way is just to do it at some stage. Yeah, um, I guess, not yeah, I guess it's like 
when people ask when's the best time to train, it's like when you can train. When's the best time yes. to do this stuff is like whenever you can get it in. Doesn't really yes. matter as long as you can do it and chunk it back. If it owes that ninety percent confident route, are you ninety percent confident you can do this every day this week? If not, make it less. Make it less. Make it less until yep. you are and then build it up once you build up the habit of doing it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And the good news is once you do it for a while and you correct it, then you can start moving off to other stuff anyway. You can sort of drop it. Yeah. And then you, like you said, you had the <laughs> toolbox to go back to if anything starts flaring up again. Yeah, if you need to. And, that, and that's, I suppose, what we try and, you know, sometimes a, a client will come back and they're actually feeling um, really good because we've suggested, you know, follow up in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks and they'll come back and like, oh, I don't really know why I'm here. And you poke and prod and you find a few sore bits. But I suppose one of the other things you can do is you, you can give them more advanced exercises or other exercises they can then take home and they can work on, um, whether it be strengthening or stretching or whatever. Um, and so then they've got other tools that they can work on. And then, you know, if they, if they regress at any stage, they can go back to the simple ones that we gave them at the start. Yeah. So I guess the next part would be like when it goes on to neck pain. So a lot of, the next thing that most people have is sort of neck pain. We, understandably, we all sit down. We all have forward head tilt, even when driving cars. And mobile phones is a big thing to lead up to neck pain as well. So what, what's the big issues with neck pain that you see coming in the most? Oh, look, um, I suppose that just a neck stiffness, I suppose. But that, like the number one thing, probably one of the things I really enjoy treating the most is uh, headaches. Um, headaches cause, they call them cervicogenic or basically neck um, neck generated headaches um, which we see a hell of a lot of I think the reason I enjoy treating them is it's probably the one injury although keep in mind I haven't had severe lower back pain before but it's one injury or one thing that I get that I absolutely hate and <laughs> struggle to concentrate and struggle to function so um, neck pain is definitely the things that is probably the thing that we tend to see you also get it's amazing how you know people's shoulders and um even elbows and all that sort of stuff can be affected from neck stuff. So I suppose, um, you know, we will often get someone in who say they've come in with, not often, but we'll get someone who's coming with elbow pain and, you know, the therapist's been working on their elbow and elbow and it's just not getting any better. And all of a sudden you have a look at their neck and shoulders and you, you know, you free some of those things up and their elbow pain goes. So I suppose the take home message that I always tell people is, if you get absolutely no change from seeing a therapist, including us, um, within three visits, three visits seems to be a magic number. Don't ask me why. Um, I tend to say most people get some change in the first, some in the second and some in the third. And there's always an outlier who just doesn't change at all. Then you need to go to another therapist. Um, I suppose one of the things I always pride myself on is, you know, if we, if we get to three seat sessions and we're still not really making headway, then, I'll tend to refer on to the person who I think is next best um, able to help them. Um, I certainly don't want you coming back. I've had people who have been to other therapists, you know, 10 times in a row and had absolutely no change, like I said, because they've treated their elbow and it was actually coming from their neck and shoulder producing, you know, that elbow type pain. Um, so, yeah, that's probably something I always try and get across to patients is uh, it's, it's okay to change therapists, I suppose. And, yeah, if you're not getting anywhere, then you need to go and see someone else. Yeah. And it's kind of when you, it seems to happen a lot when they, someone will go to someone and they fix, get something fixed and it works really well, but then they get 
which isn't good or bad. It's just what it is. But they get they go there for the next thing, and it could last for a long, long time. We're having yep. a few people in your tool, like a few people to go visit to get different perspectives on stuff. Because it's like anything. You, you, you work on the computer, you get tunnel vision, and you sort of getting a fresh perspective is always a good thing, I reckon, for everything. Even like as personal trainer, I like people to go see other people to see what's around and see if anything will work better. And then if it's naturally yep. a thing that they'll come back to you, then happy days. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, as long as they're educating, I suppose – you know, sometimes you'll see someone, you'll get them better in two treatments and you're like, wow, that was awesome. And then they'll come back for a, a different thing. And then it's it's about understanding what is actually going on. Um, and then that's probably one of our roles is to try and educate with the clients because sometimes you will get a client that, you know, you treat their neck and they might get better in two treatments, but they come in with this chronic lower back pain that they just didn't happen to mention before. And, you know, it can take, a, it can take 10 or 12 sessions or, you know, whatever. So... I suppose just don't jump away from from that therapist straight away. It's just more about if you're not getting change, um, and unfortunately there are people out there who um, do just keep ch- treating people um, if they're not getting any change at all. But if you're not getting any change at all, uh, and I'm even saying like sometimes it's better to get even a bit worse, dare I say it, than no change at all because at least you've changed um, the structures that you need to change or you've treated the right area. So, um yeah, it's, it's always important to, to keep that in mind that if you're not getting anywhere, then go and see someone else. Yeah, which is, I think it's an important thing to think about anyway. If you're not getting what you want, go check out somebody else and see if it will be a better thing. If not, you can always go back. Yeah, and it's not that that therapist is, is, is not good at treating. You know, it's, uh, we've all got particular things that we're really interested in and we love treating. Uh, and then there's some things that we still enjoy treating, but, um, but, you know, we probably don't have, again, all those tools in the toolbox to treat that thing. So we, you know, get pretty good success rate with the, with most of the stuff, but then all of a sudden there'll be a couple of tricky ones. You're like, oh, I better send them on to, you know, for us, maybe the podiatrist or maybe try an acupuncturist or, you know, send them to the physio or, you know, Cairo or whoever. Um, I'm open to sending them to whoever I think is best, next best to deal with that problem. Which I think is like a really important key to look for when you go do anything, any kind of this stuff is like if the person's happy to refer out if they don't think they can fix the thing that they got or they know that someone's better at doing it and maybe they'll do it quicker. If they're happy to refer out, then you know you've got someone who's good because yeah. not, it's not yeah. a ego thing. They don't, they don't try and keep you no matter what and pretend that they know what they're doing. Referring out and having a face is huge. Yeah, one of those key things I'd I'd like to build my business on is I'd rather um, I'd rather get them better myself. But if I feel like I'm not getting any better, I'd rather them send them somewhere else and they go to a great outcome with that person. And then you know they might still come back and, and see you later on. And they still might refer you know one of the family members or or something like that. I'd rather be uh, as honest as as I possibly can with the patients. Yeah, cool. So let's chunk this down to steps for people to take away with back and neck pain so basically step one niggles if you've got a niggle after a few days three to seven days ish my my usual rule of thumb is i've got something that's hanging around for seven days then i definitely go no i need to go see someone yeah if you got the niggle go get it looked at and then get the exercises after the release or whatever it is you get during the session you'll get exercises to fix it and then should get regardless of who you see you should should get something um yeah. to take home take home message yep some kind of homework usually one to three 
which is generally the rule for everything in life, I think is always like the number three seems to be the thing. And then yep. chunk that down to make it as easy as possible for you to show up and do it and do it intermittently throughout the day because that will get the biggest benefit. But generally doing it whenever you can do it is the best thing. Yep. And following up. So going back in and seeing if the stuff that's working is working. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose that's one of the one of the hardest things and again that's probably where people feel like they're um you know, they're they're feeling great. So, you know, why would I go back for that follow up session? It's amazing how many times yeah that person cancels and said, No, nah, I'm feeling great and two weeks later they come back with the same problem. Yeah. Uh, it goes back to that whole injury and pain not always being necessarily um exactly related. We decide the pain's gone but the injury might not be fixed. So it is always worth that follow-up session is, is generally recommended for a reason. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd strongly tell people to go back and look at the worst case is, um, you know, you get a bit of a, or best case, you get a bit of a massage and, uh, and some extra exercise or more challenging exercise to go away and work on. And then, then you've got, again, more tools in your toolbox to work out at home. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's like that plan the program do the program, assess the program. It's the same kind of this, like go in, figure out what it is, do the stuff that's given you, put it into action and then assess if it's actually worked or not after the fact when you've done the yep. stuff. So the follow-up is probably the most important thing because it's like, yes, it's working, keep doing it. No, it's working, let's make the change. And it's the same with anything like diet. Here's the plan, do the plan, did it work? And then you adjust from that. And that's pretty much how you move forward with everything in life, which is good. Is there anything else you want to give to everybody before we finish up? Oh, I know. I think I've probably confused people enough. That's probably <laughs> enough. <for> that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. The four steps basically is like, especially the part like when you get the niggle, three to seven days or whatever it ends up being. Most yeah. people are the experts in their own body and they know when something's up. But yeah, yeah, getting in and getting it sorted early so you can get back to doing what you want to do and then adjusting yeah. what it is you're doing so you can still keep doing it and not taking it away from you is really is key. If it's more than a niggle, then that's certainly when you go in ASAP. The, the quicker you can, the quicker you can get onto injuries, the better. Mm. Um, I suppose I'd hate to tell everyone as soon as you get a niggle, come in and it was going to get better two days later anyway. Um, so that's probably again not what we're about. But if it's yeah, if it's pain that's stopping you, you know, you just can't function, then go and see someone as soon as possible. As sooner, early interventions has been shown to be um, shown to be the best at early recovery. So yeah, cool. All right. So how can people find you? Uh, so a couple of ways. We've got a website um, www.sportsandspinal.net.au. Uh, on there, there's some information about who we are and what we do. Right, sorry guys, the recording cut off there. So you can find them at sportsandspinal.com.au and also just when you go on Facebook, put in the search bar Sports and Spinal or Redonga and it will come up and they're also on Instagram. So check them out, send them a message or even just give them a call and book in to go see Vaughan. Once again, thanks for listening to the Move, Eat, Renergize podcast show. If you're liking what we're doing and you're getting a lot out of it, please share it around to your friends. We're now on iTunes and we're going to be on Stitcher very soon. So please, if we're not already on there already, share it around. Let it spread the word and start getting people to move, eat and re-energize every day. Thanks, guys.